What are the reasons that students struggle to keep up with their academics in school? Sports and outside commitments, injuries and sickness, or having a place that they call home. These were all the different reasons that Oakley and I talked about in this conversation. I tried to imagine dealing with just one of these challenges and that and not all of them at different times. It's so impressive to hear Oakley's perseverance and positive outlook. But what was even more incredible was the suggestions that she made. They're not that hard to incorporate into our classrooms. And thinking that these suggestions and ideas would have made it easier for Oakley to be more successful, it made me think I should be doing this regardless of how hard it is for students. These are things that are easy for me to incorporate into my classroom, and it will help students access their education even more. There's a lot in this conversation about struggling, but there's a lot of hope in this conversation, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Welcome to the podcast, Education Unimagined, where give students an opportunity to share their voice in a system where often their voice is unheard. I ask them to share their experience and advice on how we can improve the experience for everyone. Welcome both Oakley and Julie to the podcast, Education Unimagined. I am interested in getting a sense of your experiences with education and how you've navigated some of the educational challenges or successes. You're a pretty academically driven student. What are some of the challenges that you have experienced? One of the biggest issues was we'd have games that would go from as soon as school ended till 10 o'clock at night. And when you're out with basketball from the moment school ends till 10 p.m., you do not have time for homework. So it can tend to get you behind a lot, which is definitely difficult. Did your teachers seem to understand that expectation that they were putting on you for getting your homework done was difficult with the requirements that exist as the manager of a basketball team? Some teachers who understood and would give me like extra time on assignments or would let me turn in things late, retake assignments. But I've also had teachers who were not okay and would just expect me to have it done that day. And if it was late, they would dock points and not give me another opportunity. Do you think that there is enough communication between the athletic department demands and the academic demands on students? Sometimes I think that it could be kind of a struggle because a lot of teachers don't realize that you have like athletic commitments that could keep you from doing assignments. So every once in a while they won't let you have an extension if you ask for it. You have to like explain why you need the extension. And if they don't believe you, you don't get the extension. But there's also the teachers who 
will give you the extension. When I was a coach as a teacher, I understood things a little bit differently. Do you have any advice on how we might balance that? One of the best ways that I've learned to balance it is whenever I've had weeks where we have a couple games, I will talk to my teachers and I'll say, I might not have the time to do an assignment. I apologize for that. And then our coaches will let you skip practice every once in a while and just work on assignments in the gym because it was important to make sure you always had your assignments done. Otherwise, you couldn't play anyway. I think that's incredible. I love hearing that, that coaches would do that. And that's really great because you're there for practice, but you're attending to the things that are also important. That action from coaches would be really well-received, I think, as teachers and reciprocating some of that for teachers would be nice, you know, maybe giving athletes time in class to work on the assignment. Our teachers used to give some of the athletes extra help and would let them come in before, after school, and at lunch to work on assignments that we didn't always have time for. I had a conversation with your mom. She would tell me that sometimes you will tell her it's time to put technology away or it's time to put your phone away, mom. I want you to be present with me. And what that resonated for me about was how in schools, teachers really struggle with our students having technology out at times where we don't want them to have technology and teachers have expectations of technology that are not realistic for students. So knowing that you can be in tune with what you need from your mom, do you have suggestions for teachers on how we might be able to help navigate this technological impasse? How do we come to an understanding with our students so that we can communicate what we want and you can communicate what you're looking for in terms of allowances and expectations. We'll have classes where we'll have like five minute breaks a couple times each class, which will allow kids to use their phones, to relax, to enjoy their phones without getting in trouble for it before they have to put it down, which gives them the ability to use it when they want to. But then after that, they can put it away and focus on classes and focus on what they're doing. One teacher would give us that opportunity. If we did a good job of focusing and doing what we needed to do in class and getting things done, she would give us the five minutes or even an extra 10 minutes if we did really well to just use our phones and relax at the end of class, which got kids to put their phones down and do their assignments, which was really helpful. What is your experience with a teacher who is technology-free, no technology allowed, at any point in class? Have you had a teacher who's operated in that way? And what is your other kid's response in that situation? We've had teachers before who completely hated the idea of anyone having their phones out in class. If it was in your pocket, on your desk, that wasn't okay. It didn't matter if you weren't using it, you couldn't have it out. You'd get in trouble for it and they would take it away. So most students hated that rule because if even if it was an accident, if it fell out of your bag, she'd take it away, which was really not the best way to go about things. Your mom has shared with me that you have had some pretty big injuries in your life. Did you miss a period of time in school when when those injuries had happened? The injuries I've had that have actually like affected my schooling and schoolwork was when I got my second concussion. I had missed a lot of school. I couldn't do assignments because I was in a lot of pain, which can really put you back in school and make it a lot harder to learn. I had always been in the gifted program when I was younger. I had missed out on a lot of that because of my head injuries and it can make it a lot harder to learn. It can also impact your mental health as well. What would have been helpful for you so that you wouldn't have 
suffered academically to heal mentally and physically. One thing that would have helped a lot, someone writing up information on what we would learned or packets on ways to learn what we had learned from home so that you can kind of know what's going on and you're not super behind. When you don't know anything going back to school and trying to learn things that involve things you had not previously been there for can be a lot harder because then you have to learn everything you missed as well as the thing that you're learning at the time. Well, every classroom has a Google Classroom, some online area for assignments. And I've had teachers who will have what they'd learned that day and what we did. It might not be every single detail, but it gives you an example of what you did. So you can figure it out if you need to try to learn it yourself. I've also had teachers who knew we had friends. So if you were absent, they would talk to your friend and say, hey, can you text them and tell them what we did today? And I've had friends who will text me while I'm sick and just say, hey, in physics, we learned this. In photography, we did this. And it can be a huge help for when you're absent, especially if you're absent for multiple days in a row. That's great advice. Well, I know you and your mom had experienced some some time of homelessness. What does being homeless mean for you? And what was the impact that it had for you as a student? Do you think your teachers knew what it was like for you to not have a home base? I don't remember a lot, but when you're going home to a hotel or a place that just really isn't a home. It's a place that you're staying at for a couple days before going to another place. It's really weird for a kid to deal with that because when you go home, you're hoping to go back to a place that you live, you stay there, that's where you are. You're comfortable there, you're safe there, you're happy there. But when you're going back to a place that's not particularly home, it just feels really weird and uncomfortable. Define for me what having a home means for you, because I think that is a really valuable piece for educators to hear what it means to have something that you call home. There are so many different levels of homelessness. You were in one hotel for a period of time but it wasn't home. In my opinion, a home is a place where you feel safe, you feel comfortable, you have your people, your things, and you don't feel like it could all change at any second. You feel safe, you feel happy, you feel good. You're okay with being there and you're not stressed. Can I interject? So we lived in different places the last 10 years. Even though we weren't homeless, we've been homeless. The most stable home we've had is our car. And that's one of our safety spots. We move like we're running from the police sometimes. That will help you understand how it's always temporary. We move like a military family because we will usually not live in a place longer than a year. We move, whether it's for a better job, for safety, or we just couldn't afford to live there anymore. That's why that car is important to us is because that's where we spent most of our time. That car has always been very prevalent in our lives because we would live somewhere and we would get attached to people, we'd get attached to the place, and then something would happen where we would end up having to leave. But that car was always part of it. That car was always there. We always had the car to go to, so it's always become a safe place and just a place that we associate as home as well as the place that we live in. That's actually really interesting. I heard you say safe a lot and the car is that thing that gives you that feeling of safety. Thank you for sharing that. I said earlier, being homeless 
has a lot of different definitions for a lot of different people. Belonging is so critical. And I don't know that we recognize that enough in our classrooms, as educators, as school can be that place where people find belonging, but it isn't often that place because we haven't created and cultivated that relationship building. It's really important piece to recognize is Sometimes kids really feel safe and home at school. San Francisco was the one place that I really became independent and my mental health had been really bad before we'd gotten there and it had started getting a lot better because it was a place where I would go see my friends after school. We'd go to random spots in San Francisco, but it was the one place where I actually had people I cared about and they cared about me. And it was a place where I felt like my school was also really good. Leaving was really hard because... When we had left, I was going to go to high school with my friends. I'd never started school with friends before. I had always started school without any friends because I had just moved there. And I was so excited to go to high school with my friends, with people I cared about. And then leaving was like a shot in the heart. What advice would you give to a student that really doesn't know what you're experiencing? For people who have experienced it, just don't give up. That's one of the hardest things is you always feel like you can't do it anymore. One of the things I struggled with a lot was I didn't think I could do it. Eventually it is going to get better and you just have to, to get through it. Try to make sure that you have people who care about you because even if you have a school full of people, there's going to be at least one or two people who are going to care about you, who are going to love you and who are going to become your best friends. Like that's how it was for me. I could not make friends. I am so antisocial and anxiety ridden. I never talked to people first, but I had an art class where I sat next to two people who I love them to death. If you were new, if you didn't want to talk to people, you were going to talk to them. So just find people who are going to be there for you. Don't give up. Never blame yourself. It's not your fault. And just keep going. If you haven't gone through it, there's going to be people who around you who have. You could have friends who you don't know what they're going through. They could never tell you what they're going through, but they could be going through some of like the hardest things in their life. Just always make sure that the people around you are cared about and that you always make sure that they have some. I love that advice. Just make sure the people around you are cared for and are cared about. That is a great place for us to stop because thinking about how we care about other people and how we act with other people is really important for somebody who it's hard to make friends for someone who has anxiety or trauma, it's really important that other people know that just what you see on the outside is nothing about what's on the inside. And, and it's really important to get down below what's on the outside. A startling 90% of teenagers don't see themselves as leaders. Let that sink in. 90%. This prevents them from reaching their full potential it negatively impacts their growth as an individual, and it creates high levels of anxiety and depression. It took me 47 years to understand my own value, and I know you don't want this to be the case with your child, your students, the people in your life, and I'd like to help make sure it isn't. If you want your children, your students, the people in your life to wake up every day knowing 
how to own their inner leader and get comfortable breaking out of their shell to do amazing things in their life, have them join my upcoming webinar. You can find it at Peers Not Fears. In 30 minutes, those who attend are clear on their value as a leader. They are confident on how to lead from that place. And they are excited about what their next steps in life are. It's free to join this webinar. If you search Peers Not Fears, you will come across my Leadership Academy. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast Unimagined for all the amazing upcoming interviews that I have on the slate. The theme music for this podcast Unimagined was written and produced by another fellow educator, Keith McClendon.